Welcome to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. I'm Paul Sweeney, alongside my co-host, Matt Miller. Every business day, we bring you interviews from CEOs, market pros, and Bloomberg experts, along with essential market-moving news. Find the Bloomberg Markets Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Well, a couple days ago, I was driving by the Short Hills Mall in New Jersey, and it was packed leading me to think that consumers are out there spending. Let's get some more color on all of that, because I haven't done any holiday shopping. But Mari Shore, Senior Equity Analyst for Columbia Threadneedle Investments, joins us. Mari, how's this holiday shopping season shaping up for the retailers? Thanks so much for having me. The holiday shopping season has turned out very positive so far. We heard that from companies as they reported through November. And overall, the view on the consumer remains very positive. Um, the headline trends over Black Friday were a little more mixed. But I think what we're seeing is that the shape of the season this year is smoother than what we've seen in the past as consumers have prioritized their shopping earlier. But this is not necessarily a bad thing because that does help maximize full price selling and reduces operational stress for the retailers. So um, are they getting all the stuff that consumers need? Are consumers finding the stuff they're searching for? Or is there really this um, you know, lack of goods and a rise in prices? That's a great question because we've heard so much about the su supply chain disruption and congestion that continues. But all things considered, I think the companies have done a very good job, um, except for a couple companies with large exposure to Vietnam. Companies have been able to build inventory into the holiday and they're confident in their ability to meet demand. Of course, this is all coming at a cost. And the companies have now built extended lead times and higher freight costs into their plans through the first half of the year. But I would say outside for a couple key items, like maybe some gaming consoles, consumers should still be able to find what they're looking for as we move into the final stretch. So, Mari, am I going to get any deals when I start shopping here? How, what's the promotional environment out there? That's another great question. Throughout the pandemic, we have seen the retailers reduce their overall promotional activity as they have planned inventory in a very detailed, in a very disciplined way. And now I think they all realize that they can do more with less and actually drive higher margin dollars with less inventory. And so the net result of that will be lower promotional activity, I believe, for the foreseeable future. And that really should be across category. And it's a reflection of not just the near-term supply chain congestion, but also the fact that retailers are just doing a much better job of managing inventory. All right. So what kind of inflation are we seeing? I know Friday we're going to get the CPI um, numbers out, uh, so we'll find soon, out soon enough that basket of goods. But in terms of, you know, um, what, what consumers are really feeling, uh, how high is it? Well, it is hard to measure, and of course it does vary by category. There are certain categories like food where we're seeing inflation currently running in the low to mid single digit range. But in other more discretionary categories where there is limited supply, there's strong demand driven by strong product innovation, 
and lower promotional activity, as we discussed, you could see inflation um, or you know, net pricing rising above those mid-single-digit levels. But it is hard to measure because the, some of these categories, the consumer is not buying as frequently. So it's in some cases more difficult to notice the pricing increases. But overall, the companies have seen a really positive response to the pricing that they have taken. And there really has not been very much pushback from the consumer. So, Mari, again, when I drove by my local shopping mall a couple of days ago, it was full with shoppers. But I still have that question. Is the United States still overstored? Is there still too much, you know, kind of too many stores out there? We've got to reduce the footprint even more. It's a great question. I think that really coming out of the recession, the companies have tried to take a closer look at their store bases and close unprofitable stores. Um, during the pandemic, we heard about like the department stores, for instance, coming out and closing hundreds of stores. So what I would say in terms of the store rationalization that still needs to happen, I think a lot of the heavy lifting has already been done. But going forward, we will continue to see select and strategic store closures as companies focus on their most profitable doors. All right, so that's what we uh, that's what we see. Um, certainly in the car uh, industry, where they focus selling the highest margin products, um, and, right, and, and leave the other ones aside, and that's what we're seeing, I guess, across other industries as well, right, Mari? Yes, absolutely. As as I said, the companies are very focused on maximizing margin rate and margin dollars, and so they are doing a better job of streamlining not just their store bases, but also their assortments, their product assortments, um, to focus on the most productive and the highest margin SKUs. Mari, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate getting your perspective here on retail sales as we head into the whining days of uh, the holiday selling season. Mari Shore, Senior Equity Analyst for Columbia Threadneedle Investments. You know, when the Omnicom news broke, the markets obviously sold off pretty significantly, but they bounced back with a vengeance very, very quickly. And it's kind of getting to the point now where the investors are almost immune to some of this uh, pandemic news flow that we've been dealing with for the past 20 months. Let's see what we're hearing down in the trenches. Sean Snyder, head of investment strategy for U.S. Wealth Management uh, Group at Citi. Uh, Sean, thanks so much for joining us here. As you talk to your clients, what are they saying about how they're digesting all this pandemic news? Because it doesn't seem like it has the same effect that it used to. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I I do think that investors have developed some sort of herd immunity against COVID news. Um, You know, I know we retired the word transitory when it comes to inflation, but, you know, it seems like they're kind of looking at Omicron as maybe something that's uh, transitory. And, you know, there has been some positive news, you know, about the variant. It's hard to say the variant is positive, but, uh, you know, there's some news that antibody therapies appear to be effective against Omicron. Um, You know, hospitalizations appear to be held in check so far. You know, again, a lot of this is speculative. It's not, you know, actual confirmed data. You know, and the symptoms seem to be more mild. And and I think, 
you know, we heard about the third dose regime potentially neutralizing the variant this morning. But I think perhaps even more importantly uh, is that it looks like the current vaccines may protect against severe disease. And I think that's a really important point that we need to consider. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as long as all it, all it does is infect a bunch of people and um, doesn't put very many in the hospital, then it's not as scary, right? Right. And plus, if you think the United States has, a, you know, 60% of its vaccination or 60% of its population uh, fully vaccinated, you know, that, then, you know, we're, the real problem that happens with these waves is the surge in hospitalizations and seeing healthcare systems overwhelmed. And that's really why you need to enter lockdowns and that type of scenario. But if we're not seeing the surge in hospitalizations, um, and we're not seeing, seeing severe disease because people have at least some protection, um, then you're less likely to go back into that renewed lockdown scenario. It's less well, likely to have a large impact on the economy. And I think that's why markets are, you know, have essentially recovered in just eight days. I do have to say that I was planning on working from London next week, and I now am no longer going to, even though— Say, say that again? I was going to work in London next week. Yeah? But now I'm not going to. Why not? Because the Omicron variant is spreading like wildfire. And even though I'm vaccinated, um, and even though I'm not afraid I would get seriously ill, I don't feel like getting it. Yep. You know, I would have to sit on a plane with a bunch of people. I'd have to wear a mask the whole time. You know how much I hate that. Um, <laughs> I probably have to wear a mask in the London office everywhere I go. I don't want to deal with that. I'd much rather just stay home. So at least, I, I, you know, anecdotally, some people are changing their plans, like me. Interesting. All right, so, Sean, given that kind of backdrop, what are you telling your clients these days? Well, we're actually focusing on a couple of things. We're, we're telling our clients to essentially upgrade the quality of their portfolios. And, you know, we've sort of bucketed that into two different core themes. One is long-term leaders, and then the other one is uh, sort of beware the cash thief. And so long-term leaders is focused on companies that are, are leaders in their industry, ones that tend to have – um, long-term growth, prospect, pros, growth prospects and, you know, stable revenues. And it, it happens to be that technology, healthcare, and consumer staples are the three sectors that often pop up the most uh, in that quality bias type bucket. Uh, so we like that, those areas. And, and when it comes to beat the cash thief, what that really means is that, you know, their, clients often think that if inflation is going to be high, you know, then maybe that's bad for the equity market and that I should move into cash. But that's the wrong thing to do because what happens is when you move into cash, you're effectively losing 6.2% yep. uh, of your net worth, right, if it's all in cash. So what you should do is you should actually be into equities because they tend to beat inflation over a long period of time. And earnings, corporate profits are the key driver of financial right. markets, and that outpaces inflation uh, more often than not. Just look at this year. We have a 6.2% inflation yep. rate currently. Come Friday, it may be closer to 7%. Right. Uh, but equities have returned 21%. So, you know, in some ways, if you want to maintain your net worth, you, you yep. actually should move into equities. Yep. All right, Sean, we're going to have to leave it there. Um, really appreciate your thoughts there. Sean Snyder, he's head of uh, investment strategy at Citi's U.S. Wealth Management Group. Did you point out his uh, previous experience as well? Uh, previous experience, former. He was a budget analyst at the White House. Wow. Very How cool. How cool is that? Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's check in with Mike Vogelsong, Chief Investment Officer and Managing Director for Cap Trust. I'm going to get his thoughts on these markets, but I want to start, Mike, with 
your thoughts on you know the pivot we saw from the Federal Reserve last week, uh, accelerating uh, tapering, talking, putting you know interest rate increases right front and center here. How do you view that given your outlook for 2022? How did that shape or reshape your 2022 outlook? Yeah, uh, you know, it's um, a yeah, good question. Uh, first of all, I think it is a really important pivot point in the market and the psychology of the market. Uh, you know, understand that the, the our opinion is that the um, while the economy is doing terrifically well, most of the upside has uh, in, the, in the stock market and certainly the high valuations we're in have come from from uh, excessive and, and very abundant liquidity is a better word um, from the Fed, of course, and, 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 and stimulus and so on, but specifically the Fed. And, you know, I think I think once we saw uh, Jay Powell, as we like to call him, uh, get, you know, clear up his nomination or renomination for the position, uh, you know, the fact they became a little more um, uh, a little more hawkish on, on interest rates, I think, is, is uh, tells you what he's really feeling. We think it's a it's a it is a pivot and it is a bit of a of a, of a signal change here to say, you know, that the going is going to be tougher. Um, he clearly thinks that uh, you know things are too easy and too loose, and so we fully expect uh, 2022 to be a little more difficult market. Not saying there's anything uh, major. We're not calling a, a, a massive correction, but I just think the easy money's gone and and. I think it would make some sense to pay attention to what the Federal Reserve Chair says when he when he starts to think about uh, about tapering and and raising interest rates faster. You know, uh, I think back to uh, our interview um, yesterday on Bloomberg Radio uh, with one of the big investment legends, Peter Lynch, who said. Those of you who are going all passive are going to really miss out here. And I know this is something that's cyclical, right? Active versus passive. But are you saying 2022 is a year to be active as well? I think that's exactly right. Uh, we, 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 we like that trade a lot. It's been a, it's been a, a mega cap, fang-led stock market, and most managers have been systematically underweight, uh, you know, the entire array of, of the super, super large cap, mega cap stocks. And, and so – you know, we think you know the, the valuation disparity there is also exceptionally high. So we think that that um, a lot of the action is going to come from the active side of the equation. Uh, we we, we uh, just just because the market's likely to be broader, and there will be opportunity in places, uh, whether it's cyclicals or whether reopening trade or whatever, uh, that that will allow us to take some take some market share back uh, in the active space as opposed to the passive led by the mega cap stocks. Right, the passive. The passive value, the, the, the passive um, hegemony, if you will, is really dominated and driven by by the mega cap stocks doing so well because it's just hard as an active manager. And I've been an active manager for 25, 30 years. It's really hard to get enough of that stuff in your portfolio uh, to to overweight the benchmark that you're tra- that you're trying to beat, right? And so it's uh, it's been a hard situation. I think that's going to reverse uh, uh, going into going into 2020. I, I will say one thing. You know, the, the market normally anticipates economic activity by, you know, 6, 12, 18 right. months, whatever it happens to be. Um, I think one of the really interesting patterns in today's market is that is that it has been trading coincidentally right. with COVID with COVID rumors. Right. Um, I mean, it, it, so so making making projections for 2022 yep. 
It's really hard. Yeah, exactly. None of us are. Well, that's why we have, that's why we have smart hard. guys like like you on to try to give us a little yeah. bit of guidance here. All right, we're going to have to leave, leave it there. Mike, Mike, Mike Vogelzong, Chief Investment Officer and Managing Director at Cap Trust, based in Boston, Massachusetts. We've had some tremendous, you know, kind of one, two, three percent, two and a half percent moves in these markets as the markets try to discount this new variant out there and what it means for the economic recovery. Let's check in with a professional, Ethan Devitt, Chief Investment Officer of Moneta Group. Ethan, thanks so much for joining us here. Boy, let's just take the last seven days uh, when we really started to get some news on this uh, Omicron variant. How do you think the market kind of reacted to it. Did it, did it feel any different than what we've been dealing with over the past 20 months? It did. This downturn we saw in markets definitely felt a little more chilling. Um, it felt we saw a lot more severe drop-offs in some of the stocks that perhaps had been levered to the economy reopening. And I like the way it was described in something I read recently as a debate. It's almost as if the market is having a debate. It's debating what the impact of Omicron is going to be. Um, it's debating whether inflation is transitory or not. And in a way, the way we see this volatility in markets, we see each side of that debate making their case. It's interesting that we, uh, well, we're looking for 6.7% inflation on Friday, the highest since 1982 when Olivia wow. Newton-John was topping the charts. <laughs> um, is this, uh, you know, is this going to come back down next year? We're, we're all riled up right now about uh, Powell's pivot uh, hawkish pivot, um, but are we going to see inflation coming back down to the threes in 2022? It's really interesting. And 6.7 is certainly going to just from an optical standpoint for the stock markets because we already had the highest level in 31 years. The last uh, the last time we looked at the numbers of 6.2. So what I think will be really interesting is to look beyond this this, um, this week's results because we we have seen a drop in oil prices, and that's why I think the week the week we've seen has been more notable in terms of market fragility. And I've been making the case that markets have been stubbornly resilient up to now. They seem to have been resilient around any news, potential government shutdown, geopolitical news, even the news of, of the Delta variant. They were relatively resilient around that. The travel curbs that came in and the fact that we're right in the middle of winter, that certainly did send more of a chilling message to, through markets um, and the fragility. So just as I mentioned the debate, I asked myself the question whether markets can be resilient and fragile at the same time. As to where we see inflation going into next year, certainly there was some of the, the acute supply chain shortages and um, bottlenecks should be easing. Um, we will probably see after the summer an easing of demand, which should also bring prices after the, after the holiday season, an easing of demand, which should bring prices in. And again, the oil price and energy prices filtering through will have a more muted effect going forward. But it was interesting that the timing of Chairman Powell's discussion of the, removing the word transitory and his suggestion that they would be speeding up the tapering. That, that actually was what was probably the worst timing given where markets were feeling anyway, given the Omicron news. So because of that, we think that's already been baked in now. Because that essentially, we now have a sense that the Fed may be moving faster than we thought. They are getting concerned, as was pointed out before, kind of trying to control inflation from the top. And I, that has actually now been built in. I don't expect further pronouncements of that nature to shock markets. Um, and we most likely will be looking at a lower rate than 6.7% going forward, but certainly higher than we've been used to enjoying around that 2% historically. All right. So given that backdrop, Ethan, what is your 2022 outlook? 
we believe that this will continue to be a good market for stock pickers. We are focused not only on the fundamental nature of equity markets and where they are at today, but also some of the technical factors. We cannot ignore the vast amounts of money that have been pumped into the system globally, but particularly in the U.S., where that money has not been saved but has instead been pushed into risk assets. So there is a record amount of money in money market funds. Um, we saw that in the reverse repo market, a record amount of transactions. That, that, that suggests that there is money on the sidelines. And as a result, when we did have dips like we did this week, even chilling ones that were a little more severe than we were used to, they close up relatively quickly. There is a desire not to miss out, to, to buy on the dips. There is a lot of retail activity, and all of that is focused now around propping up equity markets. I see that that technical factor is not going to go away, because that should support equity markets going into 2022. As to what I see in terms of sectors, I'm very focused, um, on because of my European roots, on, on what we saw coming out of, of Glasgow in top 26. So where we saw, now what's the road from Glasgow? We are definitely going to see more capital flowing to, to renewable energy, to, to climate change-focused strategies, to ESG-focused funds. And those sectors, such as electric vehicles, we've seen the, the, the huge momentum that has surrounded stocks such as Tesla, as well as the car rental companies, when they simply say they're going to add EVs to their fleet. So that kind of almost mean-like momentum indicates that there is clearly a sense that this is going to be a sector that will have a lot more focus in the future. So I'm looking at all those sectors that are likely to benefit from what came out of COP26. All right, Ethan, thanks so much for joining us. Ethan Devitt there is actually the last five years in a row ranked in the top 10 by Barron's among independent registered investment advisors. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to interviews at Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you prefer. I'm Matt Miller. I'm on Twitter at MattMiller1973. And I'm Paul Sweeney. I'm on Twitter at P.T. Sweeney. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide at Bloomberg Radio.